Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Chief Sadiq. Chief Sadiq started his career back in January of 1986 in Charleston, South Carolina with the U.S. Air Force in Joint Base Charleston. He's an instructor cadre for disaster response, has held numerous assistant chief positions in different Air Force bases around the globe, fire chief for three years for King Abdullah Economic City in Saudi Arabia, and most recently is the assistant chief for special ops within the U.S. Air Force. Chief Sadiq can be found on Instagram where he shares his thoughts on various topics on leadership with the most important reminder being he never forgot what it's like being the men and women on the front line. I will have Chief Sadiq back on for a part two where he discusses being the fire program manager in Kandahar, Afghanistan back in 2009 where he spearheaded a multidisciplinary team of staff members. High value program is valued at over $80 million dollars from inception to completion, along with building eight fire stations with over 350 national firefighters. With that being said, I present Chief Sadiq. I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's an honor um, that you um, asked to speak with me and everything. Um, I've been listening to your your podcast, and uh, I've really enjoyed listening to a lot of the different firefighters all over all over the world. Seems like right, appreciate and, it, and uh, it's a very good uh, platform. I really, I'm really honored and humbled that you would ask me to come speak with you. No problem. And uh, so, first question you had was, yeah, uh, tell us how you got into the fire service. Oh, okay, how I got to the fire service. Wow, so. That's an interesting, kind of interesting story. I never grew up wanting to be a firefighter. I'm not one of those guys. Okay. I, I didn't know anything about the fire department at all. Um, it wasn't even in my purview. It was, I always wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. I really, okay. I wanted to design aircraft. And so when I went to join the Air Force and I told them um, I wanted to work with aircraft, um, they said, uh, well, we don't have, any positions open for that right now. And if I wanted to, um, I would have to wait six months in order to do that, to come into the Air Force. And mm-hmm. I'm like really broke at the time. You know, I didn't have a job or nothing. Right. So I needed to come in right then. They say, well, if you come in now, you have three options. You can be a law enforcement, you can be services, that's like a cook and some other things that they do. Or you can be a firefighter. And he said, now, firefighters, they work one day on, one day off, and three days off every two weeks. I said, that's the one I want right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, I didn't have any altruistic motives or anything like that to um, to be a firefighter. Um, but it was, um, at that time, it's funny how life turns out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I became a firefighter. Turns out I had a good knack for it. I really enjoyed it. It was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my life that set me up for a a great career and uh, meeting a lot of great, wonderful people. So that's how I became a firefighter um, because I was lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Turned out I didn't. It wasn't really lazy. (laughs) Right, right, right. A lot of work. Right. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, so, do you still have a passion for aeronautical engineer, or is that just something no. you just? No, not really. 
only thing I have a passion for is firefighting and policy programs and stuff like that, emergency management, um, addressing issues that come up with incidents and stuff like that. Uh, that's what my passion is. I love looking at problems and and trying to figure out how we're going to resolve this issue. So okay. this this profession really, really challenges that and and brings uh, a lot of that forward in my forefront. So that's what I love about it. Okay. Um, I can say I definitely don't know too many firefighters that are in the Air Force. So what type of calls do you would a Air Force firefighter particularly respond to? Well, um, luckily, well, if I guess I can't say luckily. Um, uh, last year for 2022, at this particular phase, we responded to about 770 roughly um, emergency responses. 44% of them are EMS calls. Okay. Uh, about 35% of them are were structural emergencies. However, uh, most of those were false alarms and things like that. I think last year we had about um, six. I think we had about we had six fires last year, and that was two building fires, um, not very big, um, one cooking fire and three um, dumpster fires. So, okay. Yeah. Now, in the in the Department of Defense in general, and in the Air Force in particular, we don't have a lot of fires because we have a a very robust, robust and um, aggressive fire prevention and code enforcement program. Gotcha. So, um, they we're very very strict on how our buildings are built and how our people within the military installation how they um, behave when it comes to fire safety and safety in general. So. So we don't get to have a lot of the volume that the most municipal fire departments have. So okay, but I, now our, no, go ahead, go ahead. Our primary mission, of course, in the Air Force is um, Air Force or aircraft um, rescue. Mm -hmm. So that's our primary mission, and um, we get a lot of in-flight emergencies, is what we call. But that's maybe like smoking a cockpit or some buzzer is going off, and we have to go out and and just make sure the aircraft lands safely and then follow it to um, park and then we um, check it out, make sure it's good. Um, okay. Luckily, we don't have a lot of aircraft crashes. So. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Now, I look at it at the standpoint of if most municipalities followed the Air Force's model on building construction and whatnot, I'd say yeah. there'd probably be a lot less fires going on in the country. I think it's more along the lines of actual the code enforcement, and that's the it's the human behavior that's the problem. And um, and because uh, most buildings are built to code, especially the newer buildings. Mm -hmm. The problem is is the individuals that's in the buildings that do stuff that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so, gotcha. and uh, and that's what it is mostly. And um, okay, but since we're in a controlled environment, it makes it a lot easier for us. Okay. And if I can ask, is um if if I was a, a, a person on your base and there was a rule I didn't follow and a fire occurred and an investigation you know occurred after that and I was found to be liable, are there any sort of penalties or or is that individual relieved of duty? How does that work? 
Um, not probably not relieve the duty, but it depends on how negligent the person is. They could they could lose their job. Okay. Um, they could be found financially liable. Um, uh, they will definitely have, uh, depending on how egregious the um, the act was that caused the fire, they could just have progressive discipline, a slap on the wrist or whatever, or it could go up to termination and possible um, uh, financial um, punitive damages, stuff like okay. that. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Um, so what would you say the culture is like within your department regarding pride training calls and what kind of training do you guys do? So, um, the, the culture, as far as, um, pride and training, I say that, uh, we do a lot of training because mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of uh, volume. So we, I say that DOD firefighters are probably the best trained but least experienced firefighters in, in the United States. Um, we uh, train all the time, um, very frequently. We do um, some from evolutions to hose evolutions to actually doing structural exercises. We do a lot of, um, because we have a partner that we we provide services to on, the, on installation, we do a lot of hazmat um, exercises and drills and stuff like that. Uh, we're a full service department, so we um, our training schedule is very full. We do a lot of training. So. Okay. Uh, and, uh, go ahead. Uh, are 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 all your firefighters like EMT or paramedics? Um, most are EMT. We have okay. about um, I think about seventy to eighty percent of our firefighters are EMTs, um, okay. and we have about. 10, 10 or 11 that are paramedics right now. Um, so um, it's not a it's not a requirement to be a paramedic, but it's the Air Force is pushing toward making most firefighters EMTs, which um, I'm glad that that's after me <laughs> because you know, <laughs> I tell people, man, um, I I learned very early in my career that I couldn't be an EMT. It was uh, and. What it happened, and this was before SISM, before critical incident say, um, mm -hmm. management, mm -hmm. system management stuff. And uh, I was off duty, and I was with a friend of mine, and we came across a, uh, a Toyota 4Runner with a family of seven that was in it. Nobody had their seatbelts on, and it was a rollover. Mm. They were thrown all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I had a baby. He was about 18 months old. And I had him in my arms and he had fluid coming out of his nose, his ears and his mouth. And he had shallow breathing, mm -hmm. which, of course, you know, he's not going to make. Right. I had that baby in my arms. And when I passed him over to the paramedic, it really, really hurt me. And uh, I think I saw that baby in my sleep for about six years. And, um, yeah, I, I was there's no way I could be an EMT. And I, I salute those guys. They can do that, especially when it comes to babies. You know, so yeah, no, I, I I can agree with you on that statement. Um, and I'm sure I've I've stated this before in a couple other episodes, but um, it definitely changes your perspective once you become a parent. I know it yeah. did for me. So, because I have a four year old daughter, and so anytime we run calls with children, you know, I'm looking at that child as my child. So, yeah, yeah. I, I I totally get it. I I totally understand where where you're coming from. It is. And especially nowadays too, you know, the whole thing of um, 
it's okay not being okay and to talk about it try to get more firefighters and first responders out there to to let people know hey i had an issue with this call and i need to talk somebody so i need to talk to somebody so that it's 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 trending towards uh what i hope is a positive way for for dealing with that sure sure absolutely um let's see here so you you said that you guys do do like hose evolution. So your apparatus are they the off trucks or do you have like a, a standardized like a fire engine? Yes, we have both because we um we do both aircraft and structural firefighting. We're a full okay. service department, so yes, um, we do have um, structural pumpers, um, tenders. Um, we have brush trucks as well. Um, okay, um, we have the hazmat truck, we have a ladder, um, okay. and of course the ARF trucks as well. Okay. So um, don't ask me about any of those specifications. <laughs> I'm not a, regardless of what people may think, I'm not a firefighter geek. I, <laughs> I okay. know, like I remember you asked somebody what was their favorite um, uh, Ma- uh, manufacturer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. okay we'll we'll, we'll stay away from that question i could tell you though that um when i was the you mentioned earlier before when i was the chief over in saudi arabia the city over there um i worked a lot with rosenbauer um okay um rosenbauer's trucks i really really um learned to really um appreciate those and um, and I guess my favorite here in the United States would be like E1 or something like that. Those, but why I don't know. Just because I, you know, and uh, for the crash trucks, Oshkosh. Oshkosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, since you already hit the topic, tell us how how did that even come about? That position for you to become a fire chief in Saudi Arabia, and and yeah. what what did that uh, entail? Yeah, so one of the advantages of being in the Department of Defense is that you get exposure to a lot of different places in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and then um, because I was in the military, um, a lot of times what happens is firefighters from when you when we retire, we may do contract work. Um, so we become contractors. So we, for instance, um, um, I was contracted to be the fire chief at a base down in um, a military base down in Ecuador, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I was the um, chief down there for a while, but it's because I was affiliated with the Air Force. Right. It made it easier for that transition. So once you start in that realm, being a contractor for the Department of Defense, your exposure to other contracts around the world actually open up. And, um, so what happened with uh, Saudi Arabia is that um, maybe a couple of years prior, I probably applied for a job somewhere over there. Um, and um, I had forgotten all about it. And they just called me up one day and said, hey, we have a position over here at this um, this new city that we're building. And um, we would love for you to come over and be a fire chief. And I was like, okay, how come? You know, I wasn't doing anything at the time. And uh, I was, so I went over and, uh, and that's how I became the fire chief over there. I was there for about three years, for three years. Ah. Yeah. So when when you take on that position in that location, you just pack all your stuff up and, and, and just and just go? Yeah, well, for the most part, it's, it's like a job. It's, it's 
that's the job, you know. Um, I right. lived and worked over there, but I still have my home um, in the United States and everything. So, but yeah, you just back up and then you go over and you do your job and you come back home. So, okay. And yeah. so how big was that department? Like how many personnel are there? Stations oh, or? No, it was very small. The okay. city itself was a small city. The department, I think they had, um, I think we had nine um, people on a shift. Okay. I think they had two different shifts. They worked different. They had uh, 12 hour shifts. Okay. And, um, it was a challenge because um, when the, par- the department was set up before I got there, they had already determined their staff and their vehicles and stuff like that. And you can tell that it wasn't a five person that did it. So mm-hmm. um, we had a lot of gaps in personnel and rank structure. Um, the vehicles weren't suited really as far as I'm concerned for the threats of the city and stuff like that. So that was a big challenge you know, for me trying to figure out how to um, uh, incorporate these tools, um, these the capital resources as well as the human resources to an effective um, response force. That was a huge challenge. Um, but I think they did pretty good. We had a few fires um, that they actually responded to and and they did very well um, when they did. So, yeah. Okay. And if I can ask, as far as being out in Saudi Arabia, uh, did the personnel have the same type of turnout gear, structural gear that we have and yes. air packs? Yes, we um, they had all the same things um, uh, because um, I made sure of that. They didn't order the stuff, really. They had the stuff ordered, but I had to make sure and change some things to make sure that they were the proper things that they're supposed to have. So we made a few changes. But, yeah, they had all the turnout gear, um, the SCBAs and everything. Everything was up to par um, as far as the actual gear. Now the back side, back part of it, mm-hmm. like having the, um, he didn't have a, a air um, compressor unit. Okay. It was like a little portable thing. Okay. And and so it was a little, yeah, it was some things that gave me as a chief big headaches, trying to figure out how to keep these uh, the uh, the air clean and all that kind of stuff. It was. It was a challenge, but okay. I really enjoyed being there. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a good challenge, which is what I love most mm-hmm. is having challenges. And uh, but yeah, it's I would recommend it for anyone to who has the time or would like to uh, experience that to actually try to find something like that, at least work a couple of years. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, how long does it take to get equipment all, all the way out there? Um, it could take a while. So <clears throat> trying to think, they had a lot of things already on order. Um, so when I think it took about three months for the stuff to come in, uh, after I got there. So, uh-huh. but they had ordered it maybe a couple of months prior. Okay. So it took about five months or so to get their gear in and all that type of stuff wow. and everything. Okay. And yeah, it it was a 
it was uh that was a challenge as well everything was a challenge yeah no <laughs> yeah. I, I i yeah i definitely could see that because it's like you know here in the states if if you have an issue with your turnout gear manufacturer you will normally you just deal with your dealer who will then oh okay you need a spare set all right here you go but being all the way out in Saudi Arabia, I can imagine that that's just, yeah, the, the lead time yeah. on that is ridiculous. Yeah, so the good thing about it, the the easy part about it was that Rosenbauer actually um, actually provided pretty much everything. Um, they had a catalog, so they had for everything from trucks to, to boots and to gloves and, and all the different equipment and stuff like that, um, power okay. tools purse equipment, all that kind of stuff. So they actually supplied everything. And it was okay. that was the easy part was just being able to look in their catalog and talking to their rep and saying, hey, we need this. Now we just have to wait for it to come in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And uh, the communication effect, because I've never been to Saudi Arabia. So are, are most most of the individuals there, uh, do they speak English, I'm, I'm imagining? They're supposed to. Um, okay. Um, but that was um, there were some people that were hired that um, didn't speak English well. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a concern for me as well, because you have people on the fire ground who aren't able to communicate. Right. Um, but these are mostly these are the firefighters, the young firefighters, not any. There wasn't a um, crew chiefs or lieutenants that you crew commanders that you may call them. OK, um, we call them crew chiefs. Um, okay. All of them spoke English very well. Um, they were mostly our um, crew chiefs and station chiefs were mostly from um, uh, South Africa. Okay. Um, so they spoke English very well. Um, most of our firefighters were from the Philippines. Um, most of them spoke English. Some of them, uh, only a few of them, not very well. Um, and then I think we had like 10 Saudi firefighters who only a couple of them actually spoke English, but okay. um, I I really enjoyed working with them because they really wanted to learn, you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving this job? Um, I really think um, um, that's mostly. I think it's mostly actually my internal drive for excellence, really. Um, and my always wanting to be the best, doing the best at anything that I'm doing, um, especially when it comes to the fire service. I think that's mostly what it is. I just like having, like we spoke of earlier, having problems and being challenges and being able to look at it and then devising a, a, a solution and, mm -hmm. and then executing. Um, I think that's really what it is. I just like the challenges of, looking at something within a department and trying to figure out how the best way to address it um, coming up. If I had one particular talent or um, I guess within the department, it would be uh, policies and programs. Um, that's probably something I do best, compliance type stuff, um, going through the regulations and standards and so forth and, and trying to develop in a way to maintain compliance. Mm -hmm. um, within the department that's probably I just love those challenges so okay okay now working with the Department of Defense and the way so like the way my chief I believe my chief has to do it is you know if he wants something he has to go to the town board express 
why they need it, maybe show, you know, uh, uh, percentages or pros and cons or whatnot. How does it work if, if if you want something for for the fire department on the Air Force? Like, you, do you just go to DOD and be like, hey, I need this? And they're like, how much? Write the check and that's it? Or Yeah. So um, the Department of Defense gets this huge budget, right? Mm -hmm. And then they have to divvy it up amongst all the people under the Department of Defense. Right. Okay. And so every year the fire chief has to develop a budget for the upcoming year and justify everything that the fire chief, that the department needs or wants. And you have to have, our justifications have to be very solid. We don't really go and stand in front of a board or anything. It's all written and everything like that. So um, that's how our budget is done. Um, we may get... Um, a lot of money this year, but little money the next year. Uh, we don't have to worry about, um, for the most part, we don't have to worry about salaries and stuff like that because that's handled by somebody completely different than us. Okay. Uh, we just have to identify all the things that we need as a department to make it through, put it down in the um, justification um, for the funds, and then fingers crossed and see if we get it. Right. And that's right. how it works. Um, okay. Yeah, but we don't have to stand in front of people and beg them and all that kind of things. Um, for the most part, um, we get what we ask for. Mm -hmm. um, but um, there are a lot of challenges in doing that. You have to really be good with the pen in order to um, convince these people um, that this is what you need to make the department continue. So. Okay. Um did you guys see any issues or I'm trying to figure out how to word this correctly? So I can tell you during COVID, we saw a dramatic decrease in our calls. And then after I guess the year and a half or so mark, our calls actually shot up more. Did 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 the Air Force see that as well? Or was it different? So I can't really speak to that because I wasn't um, working with the Air Force at the time when okay. the COVID hit, okay. I was actually doing my uh, my own consulting and training um, thing okay. in Florida, and um, and it was actually COVID that made me have to uh, come. Uh, so for the whole year, the first year of the pandemic, um, I uh, I was still doing trying to do what I was doing, but it was difficult, so I had to actually come back into the fire service. Okay. I call myself. Um, uh trying to retire but it didn't work out so, <laughs> <laughs> so i had to come back and go back to work again so and that's how i came over here but um i would imagine so um because again it's that human behavior element once mm -hmm. you start restricting human beings mm -hmm. and they can't get into a lot of problems so right right yeah so i'm pretty sure the the call volume went down but we don't have a lot of calls like i mentioned in the first right. place so Okay. Okay. But still 700, I think you said 770. Seven, yeah. Somewhere around in there. I mean, that's still, that's still pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was losing my train of thought here. I was going to ask you a question. Uh, oh, um, how long, um, how many years of service do you have to put in within the air force and, you know, to, to be eligible to retire? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> So um, I retired from the military after 20 years. So okay. that was, but that's just the military thing. But as mm -hmm. far as fire service, 
I'm really not sure if you started as a civilian mm -hmm. and and didn't do any military. I think it's about the same. It's around 20 years. Okay. And then there's mandatory. If you stayed in operations your whole time, then your mandatory retirement is 57 if you stayed in. Um, but um, you can stay in as long as you want, for the most part, up until 57. Or you... Um, or you... Uh, um, you can retire somewhere around 20 years. And um, because our retirement, federal government retirement is not very much. Um, so it's best to have our TSP, though, is really good. Our thrift savings plan is like a 401k mm -hmm. for federal employees. Mm -hmm. It's really good. So after 20 years, you can have a really nice nest egg to uh, retire on. So okay. Okay. Have, I don't know if you ever heard TSP millionaires. No, I have not. Yeah, thrift savings plan is really good. Um, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, awesome! All right. Um, so with you being a chief officer, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to throw this question to you because I, I, I'm pretty sure I know how well this answer is going to go. But, uh, from looking from watching your videos, um, that you post on Instagram, so do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it has to be. And um, I think more so today than back when I was a, a young firefighter. Like, um, I, I joke with a lot of the young firefighters today. I was like, I never spoke to my fire chief, ever. Right. I don't even think he knew my name. <laughs> I didn't want him to know my name either. Uh -huh. you know uh -huh. so, uh -huh. um, and we just did what we were told to do. Right. Um, and But today, and people you know my age and at my my time from the old school we complain uh, a lot and it's stop complaining it is what it is um these the younger firefighters today or the new generation today they require a lot of communication um it's just that's just what it is you can't yell at them Mm -hmm. So, okay, don't yell at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, they're a lot more sensitive today. So, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way you just have to adjust and um, and help and help them become the best that they can be, whatever means that they need. If it means more communication, then that's fine. But you have to also make sure they understand you're not going to understand everything that I'm thinking when I make a decision. You don't have the, um, talking to the young firefighters, you don't have the um, the luxury of understanding everything that I've learned over the years and all the peripheral influences I've had to make these decisions. I can only tell you that this is the best decision for the department and for our team, and you just have to trust me for that. This, I mean, I'm here for a reason. I got to my position for a reason. I just didn't um, fall out the sky and become a chief fire officer. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. And I think that uh, communication is very important, um, but trust is more important than anything. Um, um, I think that younger firefighters need to learn to trust their chief officers a lot more. And um, and even though you want to complain, don't complain all the damn time. Come on now. Right. <laughs> yeah. We want the best for you. Um, and I had to had to have this conversation um, at one of our training. We was doing um, live fire training on our aircraft once. And 
um, after at the end of it, I, I stopped and I said, listen, I, I'm addressing all of you. And I said, this is something that I had to say before to other firefighters. And I'm telling you today as well. And I was like, and I told them that all of you are important to me. And I care about every last one of you. If you wear this uniform, if you put on this gear, you're very important to me. And the most important thing for me is that after every emergency or every training event, you come back to the station safe, you go home to your families alive in one piece. And if that means I have to hurt your feelings, I'm going to hurt your feelings. And I said, that's just what it is. And if that means that I can't be your friend, I'm good with that. We just can't be friends because I'm going to hurt your feelings. If that means you don't like me, I'm good with that too <laughs> because mm -hmm. you're safe. Mm -hmm. So um, our, our profession is not something where you can always just be dance around and the issue. It has to be addressed head on. And sometimes I have to hurt your feelings so that you do not kill yourself or kill somebody else. And, um, and unfortunately, a lot of, um, especially in the DOD, because we don't have a, a huge call volume for uh, fires, you get complacent a lot. And right, uh, you right. may not actually see or feel that danger that most municipal firefighters may feel. So you can you become more complacent and lackadaisical and stuff like that. So. Right. All right. No, well said. no, no, it was, it was, it was perfect. It was spot on. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, uh, this is not all, but some company officers, I mean, even some chiefs, you know, they can't differentiate between the time when it's time to be buddy and boss. Yeah. I, I don't have that problem. <laughs> right. I really don't. So, um, and, and because I think it's a lot to do with the fact that I was military. So I moved around a lot. I didn't have time to, to make these real deep connections with people. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that was an advantage for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have that issue. Um, um, I'm a, a supervisor and my whole job is to make sure that you're safe. And um, if we can't be friends because I'm your supervisor, then I'm good. You know, um, we don't have to be friends. Right. But right. you will be safe. Right. And if you're my friend and um, I'm going to correct you just because you're my friend and I want you to be the best that you possibly can be. And you should take it like that. And exactly. that's, I do have some friends that um, they're chief officers now. And, um, and man, they talk, <laughs> they uh, make fun of me all the time. How I used to get on them and everything and right. the, the discipline, how I used to meet it out and everything. So, but they do accredit it a lot of um, how my posture towards them, my frame towards them, help them become better chief officers. And, you know, that that's very humbling for me when I uh, hear that type of stuff. And, uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why I started doing the, uh, the Instagram. Okay. Uh, uh, thoughts on leadership. No. And, and a lot of your thoughts are, it, it's, it's kind of like you're uh you may be a, a chief officer, but you also never forgot where you came from. And 100%. to me, a lot of the issues, you know, can, you can somewhat say it's because whenever, um, 
some people call it white helmet syndrome, you know, like once they get the white helmet, it kills brain cells. But a lot of the chiefs or not a lot, but there's a, a decent number of chiefs that forget what it's like. They forget where they came from, you know, and, and, and it's like it to me, it shouldn't happen. Yes, you are the fire chief. There are certain rules that and parameters that you want, but you also can't forget what it's like to be the boots on the ground. Yeah, 100 percent. I agree. I agree. And I, I think that's a, a huge um, problem and disconnect with with um, the firefighters and then, of course, the older generation, my generation. Mm -hmm. um, there's a big difference in culture and understanding and stuff like that. And I, I've seen it and um, and I've had to adjust and everything. And it's nothing wrong with that. I think, um, you know. You just have to be able to look at a situation and try to figure out the best way to to make it work. Um, that's the only thing I think of. You know? Yeah, I know. And 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 what you're doing is is like I said, it's spot on because you know, I mean, if there can be, there's an array of topics, but you know, one that comes to my mind is um, if some fire chiefs want you to be wearing a specific shirt at this time, and then after this yeah. time, you can go to this shirt, but. During an yeah. emergency, the person that's calling 911 does not care what shirts you have on. They just right. want you to help the situation. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's 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 refreshing seeing what I will call, and with all due respect, an old school fire chief that knows, hey, it's 2023. I need to adapt my ways to fit the rest of the culture or the department. So my hat's yeah. off to you. That's 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 awesome. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, because you don't, I mean, you don't see that very often. And it it's yeah. it's kind of like astounding. <laughs> Thank you. Uh in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Um, I think that uh firstly, I think that if you have been on some type of team, it doesn't have to be a sports team, any kind of team, then you've really pretty much have the tools and the mentality to be a good firefighter because you have to have that um that camaraderie that um that those characteristics to um to work together in order to achieve something so that is very important is that you have the characteristics of being part of a team and not letting your teammates down um if you're a selfish individual and only cares about you, it's always me, 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 then you're not going to be a good firefighter. I, that's hands down. It's, it's got to be someone that believes in the team and working together to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. And um, and so if you have been in, if if any high school people are listening to this and you're on a part of a team, you'll probably be a great firefighter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of them, I know a lot of departments are somewhat going towards the trend of, you know, they're hitting high schools or they're hitting colleges where right. the individual might not, if he was trying to go to the NFL and they didn't make it, hey, this would be a great person for team building because they're used to that competitiveness and that togetherness. That's right. Yeah. And and I think that um, having that competitiveness, even amongst yourselves and your team, um, not not rivalry. Um, but competitiveness. I I know that guy uh, rolls rolls holes better than me. I want to be better than him, so right. I'm going to practice rolls holes more. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I've had that all my career. From um, even as a young firefighter, we were very competitive with one another. 
And even um, as I got older, I was always in competition with my peers, even though they may not have known I was in competition with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. um, and I think that made me a better um, a better firefighter, a better um, a supervisor, and a better chief officer as well. And um, it's that that competitive nature that we have amongst each other. I think that's very important as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, what would you say to a hungry, eager, mo motivated firefighter that's being surrounded by complacency or held back by an unmotivated culture? I would probably say go to and find another department, move, go someplace else. Um, I think that um, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And if in, in not just in fire service, but in life, if you're surrounded by people, whether it's family or friends or um, just the general environment that are complacent and do not stimulate um, your uh, your abilities and things like that, then you need to move. And you need to go someplace that has that environment that you're looking for, that's going to motivate you, that's going to challenge you. Um, but if you stay among people who um, who do not challenge you and who are complacent and, and not motivated, then it's going to impact you and you're going to become complacent and unmotivated and all that stuff. So um, if you have to move to another city, if you have to move across the country, um, then do that. Find an organization that fits you and then go to that organization. I think that um, we stay comfortable too long. And mm -hmm. I have an advantage because, again, I was in the military. So mm -hmm. um, is I left home early after high school. So I haven't been, I grew up in Washington, D.C. So I only went back to Washington, D.C. and for a couple of years when I was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base. But for the most part, I was away from home. And I think that really helped me a lot. Uh, I think that um, people don't um, recognize the advantages of leaving home, leaving the environment that you grew up in. And it's okay to go and then come back. And But after you've seen other things other than what you actually grew up in, mm -hmm. um, then I think that you're going to be stagnant if you don't... Um, if you just stay where you are all the time. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can, I can agree with that. And I can attest that to friendships that I used to have where I, you know, I was growing up and you look back, you know, social media is, it's crazy how technology works, but you, if you have like a Facebook or an Instagram and you remember somebody from high school and you're like, wow, they're still in the same spot. Yeah. Like they've yeah. never left. Right. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's crazy. It's like now you gotta get out there. And you know, as yeah. far as and I can I can kind of tie it into training, you don't know what you don't know if you don't get out of your own wheelhouse, you know. That's yeah, right. the training your department gives you is great, but there's yeah. newer, there's fresher ideas, there's different things that you can see if you just go outside your bubble. Hundred percent. I agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, go hard. Um now, before I go to this next question, you stated uh, you were a fire chief in Honduras. Um, I was uh, not in Honduras, in Ecuador. I'm sorry, Ecuador, Ecuador. But I was stationed in Honduras as well. Okay. I was an assistant chief of training at the department at the base we have in Honduras. Okay. Yes. Um, what made Ecuador so? Because I can I can see the way you the way you talked about it, you're like Ecuador, yeah. like it was. 
it was uh, it was nice. Um, uh, it was just it was just a regular job for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we lived um, getting paid what we paid, but living on the economy. So I like at one time I had this really nice condo type apartment that overlooked the beach uh-huh. and everything. That was really nice. The people are amazing. Um, uh, they'll tell my wife, but Latinas was very beautiful. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was the people. It was just being around the people and everything, and um, it was just a great environment to live in. I liked the weather, the tropical type weather. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, but uh, it that was really it. Um, the job was very easy for the most part. Right. I think our department was about 40, I want to say it was about 40 firefighters altogether, two different okay. ships. Um, and uh, but yeah, it was a very small base, but it was nice. But it was living on the economy and being able to see Ecuador. Okay. Being around a different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, all that was um the you know, the advantages of living there and working there. Okay. Oh, would you say one advantage to becoming a firefighter for the DOD is your your exposure to potentially travel? Yeah, absolutely. Wherever there's a, a an American base, whether it's Army, Navy, or Air Force, um, they all have fire departments. If there's a position open, you can always apply for it. And um, they're very competitive, though. Um, you can spend a couple of years at one base and then go to another base or someplace else in the world. Um, so yeah, that's one of the biggest advantages of the DOD uh, fire and federal fire service. Okay. All right. Um, do you believe in order to affect change within your department, you need to promote? What you mean need to promote? So I, oh, I, oh, so yeah, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, no, I don't think that you need to promote in order to affect change. I think that uh, if, let's say, you're a firefighter and you're a go-getter, um, find a chief officer that's a go-getter. Um, find a mentor that's a go-getter. Um, find someone up your chain that has the same mentality as you. And um, and not only will you help them um, impact uh, or affect change, but it will also help you when you as you to be promoted mm-hmm. because you're mm-hmm. involved now. Now you're involved in helping change things for the better. And you're learning more about the department, why things are the way they are. Because uh, face it, if you're a firefighter and you see something you don't like, you may not understand why it's like that. So when you tr- reach to change that thing, you say, oh, OK, I understand this a little bit more. Still think we can probably tweak it this way. Mm-hmm. But you're learning and you're being able to affect change just by learning. So does that mm-hmm. make sense? No, no, yeah. Have- well said. Well, yeah, no, no. I have I have no arguments there. I, I just like to hear different mm-hmm. different different individuals that I'm interviewing opinions. Some say yes, you should promote, and then some say no. But I, whatever, wherever, whatever reason they choose, I always like to hear the why behind it. And yours sure. was spot on. I, I mean, I can't argue that. So that was that was that was perfect. Um, last question for you. In your opinion, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? I really think um, that uh, we should do a lot more outreach 
um, for um, um, at-risk youth. I think, like like I mentioned, when um, I went to D.C. public schools, I didn't know anything about the fire department. There was no that I remember ever anybody coming to our school talking about the fire department or anything like that. And I'm a big advocate of the public safety services reflecting their community, whether it's police, mm -hmm. whether it's fire or emergency management or anything like that. I think that it should reflect the community that they serve. And I think a good uh, thing is uh, I never even heard of the Explorers until recently. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of it. Okay. So um, I think that we should reach out and give opportunities and show um, uh, opportunities to at-risk youth going to the public schools, regardless of where they are, whether they're in the suburbs or in the inner city. Mm -hmm. Just go to these schools and 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 maybe do programs. I remember um, one of the things that I did as a chief when I was the fire chief down in Ecuador, actually, is that um, we did this program where we had the high schools compete against each other doing fire um, things like rolling holes, pulling holes, um, knocking the cone down with the water, dragging okay. the dummy. Okay. And we had an obstacle course for them to do. And so I think if we just start doing things like that with the inner cities and um, at what public schools, I think that would um, actually let people know that, hey, this profession is something that's um that's, is an option i think we really do need to reach out more and that would make our services a lot better yeah and yeah. our communities and our right communities. right i mean because like from for me for me for example i got i got into this to the fire service by accident uh my in order to grab so i'm originally from new york so um in order to graduate high school you have to have community service hours so as a senior, I forgot how many hours. I think it was like 36 hours or something like that. So um, I told my mom, who then told her friend, and her friend's like, oh, just have them go to the fire department and just like clean the station, mop the yeah. floors, and, you know, that's community service hours. So she's right. like, yeah, that's what you need to do. So I go over there. I tell them what I'm here for, and they're like, fill out this application. Fill it out. Yeah. Hand it back in. They're like, okay, we'll contact you in a couple of days. They called me one day. They're like, hey, we need you to come to our Monday night meeting at seven o'clock. Can you be here? Yeah, sure. Show up. They're like, hey, the membership voted you on. It still wasn't clicking. And I'm like, OK, cool. And then they're <laughs> like, oh, let's start outfitting you for gear. And I'm like, gear for what? And they're like, uh, you're fired gear. Like, this is an application for volunteer membership. And I'm like, oh, OK. So, like, I, I, that's how I got started. And my mom hated it. To this yeah. day, I mean, yeah. she, granted, she passed away ten years ago, but yeah. she she never liked the fact that I loved it. And I'm like, Mom, remember, you got me into it. So, right. But I, I will say, um, being from New York, the area I I was I was raised wasn't the greatest, but the fire service kept me out of trouble. You sure? Um, I'll yeah. say that for sure. It kept me yeah. on a straight path and. Luckily, a couple other students within my high school were also part of the fire department. So we had our own little crew. We had our little yeah. miniature pagers. Yeah. You know, we'd listen to calls and be like, oh, we missed that. And as soon as school was done, I don't care if I would walk, take my bike, ask my sister to drive me. I would do my homework at the firehouse. I would stay at the firehouse. It yeah. it definitely shaped me. So I, I definitely agree with your statement. If if we do, if 
departments and cities and communities do a little better job of reaching out to the youth. That's all it takes is either a, not a mistake. I mean, it was a mistake for me, but it ended up being yeah. a lifelong passion. So yeah, I, I agree. I agree with yeah. you on that hundred percent. That's a good story, man. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the truth. Like I was there for, to do community service and they're like, Hey, come on, we're going to fit you for gear. And I'm doing this and yeah. getting measured. And I'm like, what's all this for? And then they're like, here's yeah. your gear. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, cool. And, and, and that was it. And you know, the yeah. story, the story was done. Cause originally I was going to school for film and yeah. that it, it never happened. And, but it's the, right. it's the best thing. So um, without that, I wouldn't be able to do this. I love talking to positive, like-minded individuals. I love talking to chiefs because I've, I've talked to a lot of firemen, but I always love talking to chiefs or chief officers that, that have that same drive and that same humility of, I may be, a, you know, I might be holding these bugles, but I, I never forgot where I came from. So I appreciate, appreciate having you on, you on here. Today. My pleasure. It's my pleasure. Like I said, it's an honor. Um, thank you for reaching out to me. Yes, sir. So I really yes, sir. appreciate it. Um, before we uh, leave, where do you call home? Florida, Florida. Northwest Florida, close to, um, it's a small town called Navarre, Florida. Yeah. It's yeah. About, yeah. Okay. That's where I call it. My house is there. Although I, I live and work now in New Mexico. Uh, we have a base at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. So that's okay. where I, I work now, live and work, but my house is still in Florida mm-hmm. and that's where I call home. Okay. And if I can ask your sure. your wife, is she is she in Florida or does she no, stay no, with she's you? Here. Yeah, she's here. Gotcha. Okay. My son. In fact, I think my youngest son is about to. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's about to join the fire service. Okay. Fire service. So okay. In August, so we see how that goes. He's staying with me now with us. So yeah. Okay. Um, and for those that don't know, is there an age restriction for that? Like, do you have to be twenty one or eighteen? No, I think it's just a high school graduate. Just high school graduate. Yeah. Okay. Now that's awesome. So you have started what what looks like could be a generational firefighter thing in your family. I hope so. We'll see if if he's if he's suitable for, to be a firefighter. We'll see. <laughs> you know, it's funny because my son is one of those like most of our children. They know every damn thing. Oh um, yeah. You can't tell them nothing. Right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, so. <laughs> And I was having a talk with him uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, now, when you get there and you, because they're going to train him and everything, he's going to go straight to a department. They, they're they going to do an in-house academy for him. When they start teaching you about how to be a firefighter, do what they tell you. Don't argue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't argue with them about how to be a firefighter. Right, right. So, you know. Yeah, so yeah, you, you, you got to tell them nowadays. Like <laughs> I said, they know they know everything. <laughs> everything. Oh uh, no, that's 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 great. That's great. So that's cool. Um, and oh yeah, hopefully you never know. He might rise to your ranks okay. or higher at some point. I hope so. I hope. Uh, you know, I I also have. Um, I always tell people and firefighters, I want you to be where I am, and I know that I want, I want all firefighters to be a fire chief one day. Um, I don't hold on to knowledge. I want you to know what I know if right. I can give it to you. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I, I know everybody can't be a fire chief. I understand. But I'm not going to hold it back. I'm going to give it to you as much as you want. I'm going to give. 
and um, to hope that you um, you continue to rise and and be the best that you can be in the department. So, all right, well said, well said. But uh, so, like I said, Chief, it was it was a pleasure having you on here. I I, I appreciate you, sir. It's my pleasure, and thank you. I appreciate you as well. I'm enjoying your um, your podcast and your platform. Thank you, and sir. Keep doing what you do. Thank you. I'll try. All right. All right. Take care. You too. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.